Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. As always, we want to take a moment to remind you why you are here listening to us today. If you're investing your valuable time into our podcast, it's because you understand the truth behind Albert Einstein's words. Problems cannot be solved by the same level of thinking that created them. So if you want to find financial freedom, make more money, quit your current 9 to 5 job, or if you want to increase your bottom line, be a better investor, or be a better business owner, then you must follow the number one rule in business, which is... Be of service to others. Business Bros would love to help you maximize your profits by helping you find ways to be of service to more people alongside our fellow entrepreneurs and the Money Coaching Club, a.k.a. E equals MC squared. So please join the conversation on Twitter at Business Bros Pod and on our website, csfirst.com. That's S-I-A-S-F-I-R-S-T.com. And as you listen today, remind yourself of these three questions regarding today's topic. Why did you get into business in the first place? What if you found a way to take action to help others make more money? And how can you take advantage of the information you hear today? By scheduling your free coaching call today. Remember, if success is for me, schedule a coaching call for free. That's right. And we want agents to schedule their coaching calls as soon as possible. And if you're in another business, you can do the same thing. It's going to be right there in the show notes. So if you just scroll down, you're going to see real estate agents, click here. Business owners, click here. Schedule your one-on-one coaching call as soon as possible. Look, the end of the year is almost here. It sucks to go to the gym in January because in January, the calendar is going to be full and you're going to try to get in with everybody else. Mm -hmm. You want to be better? You got to stop being like everybody else. That's right. You got to... Go against the moobahs, right? Yep. Do things backwards because everybody who follows the moobahs ends up being like the moobahs, right? We're all moobahs in one way or another, so don't pretend we're not. All I'm saying is if you want to get into the gym ahead of time, why are you waiting for the beginning of the year? You need to do it today. Just start. Start, start doing it. Schedule your free coaching call. Get yourself squared away. Look, you got... The last week of of November, and then you got December. You can use the next five weeks to get yourself in a position so that you are tearing it up out there, right? Look, the the new year is going to come. If you're a real estate agent, you should be working on the expireds that are going to come up at the end of this month. Expired Palooza, November 30th, December 1st. That's when all the expired listings are going to come out. And yes, are some of them going to wait for the new year? Absolutely. But you need to get them into contract. Even if your contract says you're not going to put them on the market till January or February, but you need to lock them in today. Otherwise, you're going to be competing with every single other agent who only does real estate for a few months out of the year because they all come back in January, just like you say you're going to come back in January. Mm -hmm. So if you're really, truly want to get yourself going, now is your last opportunity to get everything rolling so that when you go back in the office, when everybody goes back in the office as a real estate agent, you look on the board and you are one of the top producers before the year even starts because you have so many in contract, but it takes you to get out there and do it. Do you have your pre-listing package set up? I hope you do. Do you have a seven-step listing process memorized? Do you have your buyer and seller pre-qualification scripts ready to rock and roll? Are you calling expires? Are you calling your for sale by owners? Do you have your listing agreement set in? How many listings do you have at all times? How many do you need at all times? Look, if you don't have the answers to these types of questions, 
then you need to set yourself up your free coaching call right now so that you can get on there and get these things under control. You have five weeks before the year ends. And if you don't have these things in order, guess what? The ones that do, when they come back in January, they're going to kick your butt. And you're going to be looking at yourself in March, May, June, July, maybe a year from now, thinking, damn, woulda, shoulda, coulda, again. Again. Make sure that future you is going to think present you instead of hate present you. Exactly. Don't look back at the year with regret. Your bank account should be increasing your assets should be increasing. Mm-hmm. You should be getting that much closer to rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. And your 2019 should be full of cash flow, not cash spurts. No more roller coaster income. You don't need that. That's not how real estate is supposed to be. It is not a dreaded business. It is a godsend. There's no other business out there like real estate where you can close a deal and earn $10,000 in one transaction. I know I'm in California, so our commission's a little high. Mm. But let's say you're in, you know, your your median price range is about 200,000 or 150,000 whatever, so you're going to end up closing what between 3 and $5,000, you know, after your splits. Yep. Still There's no other business where you get that kind of commission and you can list more than one. You don't have to only sell one property. You do have to have the skills though because the only way that you're going to be successful in real estate long term is you have to be a listing agent. You have to list to last. The most successful ones are always going to be listing agents. And you are a salesperson. So get over yourself and do what we need to do. You should have your whiteboard accountabilities. You should have your five whiteboards up. You should know what you're doing on a daily basis. Am I still speaking Chinese to you? Well, I shouldn't say Chinese because there's probably people who speak Chinese. But am I still speaking another language to you? Does it not make Klingon? But there might be Klingons out there. (laughs) (laughs) So am I speaking a language that doesn't make sense to you? If you don't have a system in place, if you don't have things in order, if if you don't have a polished, proven pre-listing package or a presentation that you have that you're not going to wing it every time you go out, get your coaching call and get it done now. Today. Woo. Right now. Very well said. Very right. well said. Wow. Whew. Sorry. That was sorry. No, no, no. It's My cool. Rant. It's cool. You went on it. Uh, it was It was wonderful. Bravo. Round of applause. Round of applause. Um, but no, I mean, you're absolutely right. We got five weeks left in the year, you know, for honestly, let's let, let's be real. It's let's really real. only like three weeks. It's really only like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because Christmas comes and goes fast and all this other New stuff Year's, that you're going to be doing. I mean, you know, you know, family. most of us guys, right? We got foosball. Well, we got football for sure, but I'm talking like all of our Christmas shopping. Oh, we're gonna be last minute, guys. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're yeah, so yeah. last minute procrastination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ma- yeah. Matter of so fact, putting- our Amazon carts are probably pretty full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything's having- everything's on my wish list. It's, yeah, you know, it's ready to go. Just gotta click that button. But uh, yeah, it's 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 right around. It's practically the end of the year already. If you want to be kicking yourself in March, if you want to be kicking yourself in April, if you want to be kicking yourself anytime next year, then go ahead, keep doing what it is that you're doing. But the people who show up on January 1st at the gym, they're going to be gone in two weeks. You start today. You're going to keep going. 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 Which Don't wait of, for the new year. Which kind of leads into our topic for today, which is it really does. minimum financial obligations. Well, yeah, minimum. You know, it, it's like... It's like well, it, it minimum, really the setting the minimum bar. Yeah, well, well, but that's kind of what's going on here, right? The minimum. Look, I'm telling you to go out and get coaching, right? And you're thinking, eh, you know what? I'm, I'm okay. I don't really need it. And that's why you're you're only at the minimum. 
Right. That's why you're barely getting by. You want to do what the other agents are doing. You want to sell more houses. You want to become a listing agent. Uh You want to close multiple transactions per month, but you're not doing the things that they do. Right. Mainly because you don't want to learn what they do. It's it's an investment. That kind of education is an investment. Look, you're either going to invest time that you're going to lose by not doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. or you're going to take that and you're going to get into a coaching program and you're going to learn what it is that successful people are already doing and mimic it. Right. Right. The minimum is just the starting point. If you're operating at minimum, then you're just getting by. You didn't get into the business to just get by. You got into the business to thrive. That's right. So why are we focusing on the minimum? Because it's easy i mean if we my one of my best friends he always had this uh saying if i always set my expectations low i'll never be disappointed <laughs> adam yeah true <laughs> <laughs> call you know exactly call you know exactly out. who it is <laughs> set your expectations low and you'll never be disappointed and you know unfortunately that's what a lot of that's what a lot of salespeople. that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do this is my bottom line this is the minimum that i need to make and guess what that's how far they get Right. Because they don't have a plan and they don't have a system and they don't have, you know, they have goals. Yeah, they want they want to, you know, their make dreams, it better really. their dreams because there's no action plan to get there. Exactly. And that's that's a problem. I mean, think about just paying bills for example. Right? The reason why your bills get paid is because there's some sort of accountability. Uh-huh. Right? So, a cell phone bill. If your cell phone bill comes in, you look at it and you ignore it. What happens after a month? You ain't going to be calling nobody. Your phone's not going to work, and you're going to wonder why. Oh, it's because I didn't pay my bill. That's so it. you make sure that bill gets paid. Yep. If you don't pay your car note, what happens? They come and take your car. You're going to go outside, get ready to go to work, and your car's not going to be there. So you pay the car note. Why do you pay your rent or your mortgage? Because if you don't pay your rent or your mortgage, eventually you're not going to have a place to live. Right. There's external accountability for the things that you have to do. So those are the things that get done. There is zero external accountability for your retirement. Mm-hmm. There's zero external accountability for your personal savings. Mm-hmm. There is no accountability for your life insurance policies. Yep. Right? None of those things that are important have external consequences. And as a result, those things take a back seat. They get ignored. They get ignored. They never get filled because there's no external cal- you don't lose anything that's not a priority it's not a priority yeah no absolutely true i mean uh just talking about insurance you mentioned life insurance if you don't pay your car insurance here in the state of california what happens get a ticket you get a ticket you, know, you, you can can't register it. your car you can't register your car that's they true. revoke your registration they revoke your registration on your vehicle so you, you don't get car insurance. so you have to have insurance but life insurance is the one thing that is not required and this is what I love about life insurance, right? Is it's twofold. One, if I die, my family's taken care of. Two, I keep putting money into it. And when I'm 65, I get to draw on that money. Yeah. It's Taking a forced a savings yeah. plan. It's a forced savings plan. I love it. It does make sense. Right? It does. It does. In fact, uh, my financial planning uh, uh, professor, Mr. Michael Allen, shout out to him if we can find him on uh on Twitter. I don't know if he's on Twitter. Definitely on Facebook. Uh, but anyway, Mr. Michael Allen, he uh, gave us the financial house and the foundation of the financial house was life insurance. And it should be. I mean, your foundation anyways. Uh-huh. Everything else, what you build upon that foundation, 
can be extravagant mm-hmm. or it doesn't have to be extravagant at all. It could be comfortable, but it's not going to crumble. Right. It'll be there yep. for more time than is needed because of life insurance. Yep. yep. All right. Sorry. Anyway. Sorry. Going off on that little tangent. Yeah. Well, life means- insurance is important, dude. It is. It should be part of your minimal financial obligation. Right. Especially if you have a family. Especially, I mean, you know what? I mean, there are some people who will buy uh, life insurance for their children. I think we talked about this on yeah, the podcast yeah. before. As soon as the baby's born, boom, buy a life insurance policy for them. By the time they're 18, that life insurance policy is basically all paid up. And from the time they're 18 until they're 65, all it's doing is earning interest. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Right. We can do the same thing. I mean, there are, I, I know in our school district right now, by the way, our school district is like $30 million in the hole. Because of some accounting, quote unquote, accounting error, uh. right? I don't know exactly. But anyways, as a result, they're trying to go through and balance a budget and make things happen, right? And one of those things that they're trying to do is they're giving out a golden handshake. So people who are teachers who are between- Sounds kind of kinky. Right? <laughs> teachers who are like between 50 and 55 years old are given the option to retire- Mm-hmm. Right. And the way the retirement system works is you get uh, for so many years of service, right, time and, and your age, there's there's a factor and that factor is, is going to multiply it by your income and it's going to determine, you know, how much of your in, of your base income you're going to get for retirement for the rest sure, of your sure. life. Right. So there's, you know, people who are on 60 percent of their income, 75, 80, 90 percent, whatever it is, mm. whatever that number is. Well, the golden handshake is saying take your retirement and then we're also going to give you. Um, uh, five years, uh, a year's salary paid out over five years on top of that as a bonus. So as a severance package. So that's an extra amount of money that people get if they go into retirement early and it's the way of taking stuff out. And, you know, I got people, you know, that are, that have been teaching for a number of years, 20 years, 30 years even, and they're looking at this retirement package and some of them, I mean, I hear some of the conversations like, I can't retire, I have to pay for tuition. And I'm thinking... Damn, like, well, aside from my opinions on how much you should be paying for your kids' tuitions anyways, Mm -hmm. I mean, just just on top of that, to be able to not enter retirement because you have to pay a child's tuition, what happened to the years before where, like you said, if you would have done it ahead of time, if you would have made this part of your minimum financial obligation, Mm -hmm. this might not have been such a big issue now. Right. Right. And again, it's forward thinking. It's, it's definitely forward thinking, but it's one of those things where your minimum financial obligation should probably take into account your end game. Well, yeah. And I think to add to that is you have to have an idea of what the end game is. I don't think most people do. No, most people don't. And most people are just like, well, yeah, I'm going to be 65 and I'm going to retire off of my 401k. But like, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that actually mean? I don't. I don't think that most people really understand what those numbers are. Uh, I mean, that's just the truth of it. Yeah. You know, and I think it comes down to identifying the difference between needs and wants, right? So our minimum financial obligations right now are the things that you're responsible for. They should be things like food and shelter, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else has got to be second. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? I mean, that makes sense. Food okay. and shelters. Is number one. Yeah. So then you got to start going through and saying, okay, well, there are certain things that I need versus certain things that I want. Like, do you need a five bedroom house when there's, you know, a three, three family and a dog? (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, does that make sense? Do you need five bedrooms if it's just three of you or 
you know, even four of you. Even four of you. Do you need you the know. five bedrooms? Right. Probably or, not. you know, do you need a car to get to work or, you know, is it close enough to walk? Is it close enough to bike? Um, do you need a Tesla or do you need a Honda? Honda. Right, right. And, and, and these decisions, though, these are, these are subtle decisions, yet they make the biggest difference in the world, right? If you buy a Honda, let's say you buy a used Honda, and maybe your payments on that would be, you know, two, $300 versus mm-hmm. the Tesla where you're like at five or $600 a month. Plus insurance. Plus insurance for, well, for both, right? But you're looking at that spread, it could be a three, four, $500 spread right. per month. Mm-hmm. That's 6,000 a year. And then you, you, you know, you take compound interest on that. That could be a lot of money. That could be the tuition for your kid. Right. Right. That could be the, uh, I don't know, buying another rental to cover that expense. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. There are different ways to do, to go about doing it, but I like that option. But if we, if we don't understand the difference between our needs and our wants and we're not able, look, I'm not saying don't buy the Tesla. I'm not saying that, but I am saying like when you're first getting started, you need to prioritize the, I, I, we mentioned in a previous episode about the difference between buying a luxury versus buying a fancy thing. Right. Right. If you are, if you have not put your money to work for you, if you haven't, if you don't have an emergency fund, if you don't have a nest egg or a storage of money to mm-hmm. be putting to work with you, you shouldn't be buying those fancy things. Right. Right. And I said it before in another one. I said, I said, look, rich people buy luxuries because rich people put money away and then they put that money to work. And once that money is working, the money that the money earns is buying that luxury. Mm -hmm. Right. When your money buys you things, that is a luxury. But what most uh, poor people do, and I don't mean poor as in, you know, you got dealt a bad card. I mean, you, you're not managing your finances correctly, mm-hmm. right? This is normally what, you know, most of us do is not manage our finances correctly. We go out and we buy these things that other, that the rich people call luxuries, but for us, they're only fancy things. And my definition of a fancy thing is you worked for that money and then you went out and bought it with the money that you worked for. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you don't deserve it. I'm not saying it's not something that you should do. I'm just saying there's a difference between a luxury and a fancy thing. Well, first you traded your time for money and then you went and you spent your money on something that is not making you more money. It's not it, you went and you spent your money on a fancy thing. So the difference being you trade your time for money and then you go buy something that makes you more money and then you buy the fancy thing with the money that your money earns. <laughs> In other words, it's a delayed gratification. It's delayed gratification. And you know what? Especially this day and age, let me just, you know, click on that one click buy now on Amazon, right? Bada bing, bada boom. It's Don't at drink my door in prime. two minutes. Don't drink in prime. That's right. But, but really that's what it comes down to, right? So, and, and the fancy thing could be anything. It, it could be a Rolex. It could be a car. It could be nice clothes, name brands, whatever it is. But the problem is we we have a habit of buying a lot of fancy things. And because we buy a lot of fancy things, the money that should be working for us never gets to work. Instead, we give it away. Mm-hmm. We spend it. It's gone. Yep. And that is going to be the difference. And that's the reason uh, why we don't get past the minimum obligations. Because we feel like we deserve nice things. Uh-huh. We have worked hard. We've earned nice things. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying you're not worth it. I'm just saying 
you can't complain about not being where you want to be if you didn't do what you needed to do to get there. Right. I mean, it's it's really simple because we know what to do. We're mimicking what other successful people have done. We take our money, we store it, we put it to work, and then we take those proceeds and we can spend it. Now, the really rich people take even the money that money makes and make more money with it. Right. right? It's just a perpetual habit. It's compounding. That's what ends up happening. It's like a snowball. It'll just continue to grow. But you don't have to be that big, right? I like to listen to Gary Vee, and his goal is to buy the New York Jets. That's billions of dollars. Yep. Right? So he's busting his butt every single day with that one intent in mind that eventually I'm going to buy the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the New York, New York Jets. Jets. Ooh, he'd get pissed if I heard that. <laughs> so eventually he's going to buy the New York Jets. Look, I don't need to be that big, right? Most people don't want to be that rich, Mm -hmm. which means you don't have to work as hard. Right. But you still have to put your money to work for you. And remember, I bargained life for a penny and life would pay no more. That's it. That's it. I bargained life for a penny and life would pay no more. So whatever you ask life for, that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get. And look, ain't nothing wrong with what you got. I, I honestly believe that because, um, you know, there there are people in this world who make a lot of money and are very, very unhappy. Mm-hmm. And there are people who don't make a ton of money, but have the greatest joy in life all, every single day when they right. wake up. Right. right. So money is not going to buy you actual happiness. No, it's only going to again. We say it all the time, but money only buys you time to figure out what That's does it. make you happy. That's it. So, look, I know seriously, it's that easy. Most people have a problem with money and the problem that they have is they spend it right so they buy a bunch of things that they think they need mm-hmm. because they don't understand the difference between needs and wants right so you know the things that they end up paying last are usually the things that hurt them in the long run so savings do it backwards if you save what's left over, you never have anything left over, and so you never save. Mm-hmm. Make savings one of your primary, minimal financial obligations. Because it feels good when you have a little bit of nest egg. Even if it's $1,000 in your savings account that mm-hmm. wasn't there before, it makes all the difference in the world. Yep. Like, Tell me about your, your most recent experience right? with your adjusting your budget. Adjusting my budget. I mean, it was a simple one, uh, and... Basically, one month I tried to, I tried to do the minimum, right? Tried to be really, really strict, and and uh, you know, uh, basically only allotted myself. It was eight hundred dollars for the month, right? And what I found was that at the end of every week, everything was really tight. Like I was barely making it. I felt like, like I wasn't going to make it. Um, and what ended up happening was at the end of the month, I didn't, I didn't make it. And so I dug into my savings. And then since I dug into my savings once I dug into it some more. And next thing you know, when you break it, when you break the habit once, it's easier to do it a second time. Exactly. And then a third time. Exactly. So this month I just increased my spending allotment, right? And went from 800 to a thousand. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you have a budget. On paper, uh-huh. well, on a spreadsheet, and you're telling me that there's an eraser where you can erase the numbers and readjust them so they work a little bit better? Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you can do that too, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Your budget's important, right? You do have allocations, mm-hmm. and those can be adjusted accordingly. You just kind of 
look at them and evaluate and make a change. Right. All right, continue. So, so you adjusted it. Yeah, basically. And I'm by, by the way, these, this $800 that we're talking about, this is gas, groceries, and going out, all three of those, right? Um, and it, it encompasses a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's literally everything from, uh, you know, gas to karaoke night, karaoke night to a haircut to, you know, whatever it's, it's the allotment. Uh, so anyway, end of, end of the month, last month felt like I wasn't making it crashed through and, uh, you know, spent way too much money. Then this month I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be comfortable every week. So instead of, you know, 200, 200, a week. 200 a week, I'm at 250 a week, right? And funny enough is the denominations that I got from the bank, cash budget, by the way, with the envelope system, uh, the denominations that I got, I ended up just taking 40 out and put it aside. So each week, instead of 250, I actually had 240 and I was comfortable and I didn't feel like I was stressing at the end of every week and I spent money where I wanted to, where I needed to, you know, all of the above needs and wants were met. And at the end, and so you do the, you do the, the tens, right? The mind 10 challenge. I do the, my one challenge. So every time I get singles, I put the singles aside and I was putting singles aside like crazy. I've been putting the singles aside like crazy this month. Uh, and it didn't kill me to do that. Whereas when I was doing that last month, at the end of the month, I'd didn't have anything left because yeah. I dug right back into it. Um, but this month, putting it all aside, putting it all aside, putting it all aside. Every time I came into a little bit of extra money, a little bit of side hustle money, putting it aside, putting it aside, putting it aside. And, you know, that budget, it was important to actually be comfortable with that spending allotment. That's what I found is that you have to actually be comfortable with that spending allotment. If you try to be too strict with yourself, is it possible? Yes. But are you going to enjoy life? Maybe not as much. Tell me. Okay, so you're right. Making that adjustment and making it comfortable is absolutely important. Important. And then tell me about your savings, though. The savings. Yeah. So well, what ended up happening? It's up. It, it it everything that I that I dug into last month. It's back this month. Perfect. So, and 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 that's the thing about having that accountability right that's why i really like the envelope system rose and i used to do the envelope system before uh before we got married and then we kind of stopped and then recently after listening to some of dave ramsey stuff i was like i need to go back to the envelope system Hmm. and we've gone back right and it makes so much difference because you're only spending the cash that you have on hand that's it that's it that's all you have Stupid Walmart. Yeah, Walmart changed it. But it's okay. I found a system around the Walmart thing. And, uh, well, I'll tell you right now. So so we do our cash budgets, right? And so for our family of four, we spend $600 a month in groceries, mm-hmm. right? And so we've been doing the envelope system. And one of the, the cool things I like to do about Walmart is we uh, use the Savings Catcher app. Yep. So you scan the receipt, and then if Walmart finds prices cheaper around the area, they'll refund you the difference, and then you have Walmart credit which is cool. And so what we would do is we'd scan all our receipts. And then at the end of the year, around Christmas time, we'd end up having a couple hundred bucks in Walmart money, go ahead and, you know, buy some Christmas presents or whatever. So that worked out. Well, Walmart changed its policy. Now you have to use the Walmart pay app and the Walmart pay app. Um, it, it just scans a QR code when you check out, but it's linked to a card and it automatically uses your credits and it automatically uses your credits. So to, 
continue to get that additional savings, I'd have to use my debit card essentially using Walmart Pay. Right. So how did I make the adjustment on my cash? So I got this new envelope called Walmart Money. Mm-hmm. Or or basically it's put money back in the account. Right. So anytime I use my Walmart Pay, I take the money out of the cash and it goes into that envelope. And then next month, what's going to happen is when I go to the bank to pull out our normal amount, I'll pull out the normal amount minus what's in already in the envelope. There you go. So that way I'm not taking, you know, I, I did come out of the account, but it's staying in afterwards. There and so go. I'm maintaining the cash budget because it takes that habit. It takes that discipline to get to where you want to go. And part of my budget is automatically dumping in money into our savings accounts. They get pulled out like day one when we get paid. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that goes out. Because I've learned, if you don't pay yourself first, your savings accounts won't grow. If you don't pay yourself first, you probably won't do it at all. You won't do it at all. So make sure you, you're you're paying yourself first, and then you go out and pay all your other bills. Without paying yourself first, your savings is going to struggle. Your taxes will never get paid, especially those people who are 1099s, right? Real estate agents, insurance agents out there. You're getting paid as a contractor. means you don't pay your taxes until April. So you should be putting money away anyways Every single commission check that you get, 25% of that at least should be going into a separate account that you will only pay taxes for every single time. Because then what's going to happen is that come April 15th, you're going to have a tax bill due and you're not going to have the money and you're going to be stressing. So do it ahead of time. Automatically take your savings, put it away. Automatically take your taxes out, put it away, right? And then debts are going to be the last thing that you pay. Not the first thing the last thing you pay and we can set up a a debt payment system we like to use a laser effect to focus our efforts on one debt at a time till it's gone and then work our way up to paying them all off Mm -hmm. using a debt accelerator like uh, dave ramsey teaches us or kiyosaki if you saw if you read kiyosaki book a lot of them do the same thing it's just a debt accelerator right but you're doing it backwards most people don't do that most people do it the other way. They pay their, their credit cards and their debts first. Then they pay all their bills. Then if they have any money left over, they pay their taxes and their savings. If you want to be successful, you need to flip the script. Do it the other way, right? Savings give you power. They will buy you time. You will have a boulder lifted off your shoulders if you have a savings account. And then stop acquiring debt. Debt will stop you from putting money to work for yourself. You're going to you're essentially losing time because you're acquiring debt. So pay yourself first, have zero debt, and let's go out and make some money. Don't use minimum obligations. That's only the starting point. Your minimum should be a lot higher than that. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, at Business Bros Pod. Send us uh, questions and we'll help you uh, structure a debt plan. We've done it for a number of clients now. So if you need a get out of debt plan, you know, let us let us know. Hernan at csfirst.com or james at csfirst.com. We'll help you set up a plan so you can get to the goal you want to get to. And you'll even know how many months or how many years it's going to take for you to get completely out of debt. And we like to include mortgages in that one. So, you know, let us know. We'll help you out with that. Um, so, uh, Business Bros pod on twitter see us first uh, at see us first on facebook and of course schedule your free coaching call it's in the show notes that's all i got for you guys today peace bye-bye and i'm out